There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Willie. Well, interestingly, I think we should start off by saying it was great to see that this week in Davos that some of the titans of Wall Street agree with me and you about where interest rates are gone. So, Did you get your invite for Davos? No, I didn't actually. Davos. Davos. I, I think Davos now, Tom, is actually by its sell-by date. Aye, I don't want to right. go, Willie. Right, so, so, <laughs> for, so for the listeners who don't know, you know, Davos is this get-together once a year in, in uh, Switzerland... Right up in the snowy hills, where all everybody who thinks they are anybody turns up and they make their their, their um, pontifications about where they think the globe is going in the next year. And it's interesting this year that only one of the chancellors of the G7 bothered to turn up. Really? Um, okay. So that was interesting. Do you think it's a Busted flush now, Willie, or do you think it's still relevant? I, I, I think people are now looking at it as that big beast, the centre of capitalism, and I think it's a wee bit like the whole green thing. It's it's People are getting more stick for going to it now than more goodness for going to it. So. But, but of course, you're a great leader, went, Willie. So what do you think about that? He was saying some interesting things. Yes, yeah, I see that uh, you know, he's now telling people at Davos that uh, if Labour wins power then that we won't invest in oil and gas and I've got no doubt we'll have to retrench in that you know very very soon I was a wee bit surprised actually to see that so that, that'll be an interesting conversation the next time I see him I know we've been talking about um, Scotland and its place in the world with regard to energy and the transition to renewables and um I know in a future show we've got Professor Sir Jim MacDonald coming on, the principal at Strathclyde, a good pal of yours and mine, yeah. and he is an energy specialist. And um, I was speaking to him last week and he has some very interesting views and what Scotland could do and what Scotland should do. So we look forward to welcoming Jim on to the show. Yeah, that's one the listeners should definitely not miss. What have you been up to this week, Tom? Well, it's been a busy week, Willie. Um, I've been down in London, a couple of board meetings. There's one thing for sure, there is no recession in Mayfair. My goodness, turning it into a restaurant is a fight. Um, but good meetings, I would say the feeling down there is one of quiet optimism. People don't want to be too shouting that everything's okay when the rest of the country is struggling, let's face it. And then the stuff that I really enjoyed this week was we launched um, Scale Up Scotland 2.0. And just to remind the listeners, this is about scale up businesses who, whose founders have got real ambition, want to get to 100 million turnover, employ lots of people in Scotland. And um, so we pull them together, a group of 12 down at our foundation's headquarters, Blair Estate, down in Ayrshire. And um, we had a brilliant time, Willie. Um, we were a brilliant speaker, um, a lady called Yvette Hopkins. 
Now, Yvette um, was director of special intelligence for the US Army. And she was a brigadier commander before that. And now she's um, working at the space station up in Shetland. Wow. And I said to her, goodness, Shetland's a long way from home. And she said, no, I grew up in Shetland. Wow. <laughs> Which is, and she was brilliant. I must tell you, if you ever get a chance to hear Yvette speak, she was brilliant. And then then we heard from um, Christian, one of the founders of Uni. I think we've had his wife yes. on the show. And he, he told the other entrepreneurs and founders around the table how Uni coped with growing during the pandemic from 50 million turnover to 200 million. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of pizza ovens. And he, Christian Stell is very understated. He's from Finland, really brilliant guy, but all about the culture of his business, all about his people. And um, I can see why that business is a success. And then um, our partner in this is the Scottish National Investment Bank, again, led by someone who invested in you. Yes. Um, Willie Watt, when he was at 3i, he's now chairman of um, SNIP. And he brought along Callum Patterson of Scottish Equity Partners. And, and they basically told the founders about taking investment in what to look for. And of course, I could tell them that they were only talking their own book and what to watch out for when taking that investment. Maybe I should have invited you along, Willie. I know you're going to help us and come along and speak to them in the future. But that was the, the energy there, the founders' stories, seeing them interact with each other, saying, oh, I don't know about this. Oh, well, this is how I did it. It was just magic, Willie. Brilliant. brilliant. Magic. And obviously helping people in business to grow and grow and grow. So, well, good luck with Scale Up. Brilliant. 2.0. Yes. 2.0. <laughs> Some of the, the, the topics of this week, I think we have to start with something I've mentioned a few weeks ago, and that was the the euphoria surrounding Patrick Harvey getting his rent freeze bill through, as we can see, now looks to be falling apart in front of our eyes. Oh and this is a great example how government should not get involved in private enterprise, right? To go from a big announcement that you'd be so proud of a few weeks ago, saying that, you no, know, there'll be a rent freeze uh, and there'll be no evictions, which we argued was a, was a good thing then, but now what's happened is that the lobby from the LHOs, the local housing associations, for the local councils, that he's had to backtrack this week. Right. And first, the first statement was that they would allow local councils and social landlords that they would have the right to increase rents. So only them, Willie? Well, it started off only them. That was the first. And I'm sure someone has sent an illegal letter saying that this may turn out to be, you know, anti, uh, you know, competitive, right? So I think that now, I believe it's been leaked out this week that maybe private landlords will be able to up their rent by 3% and possibly that you can go to the housing authority and you may be able to allow that up to 6%. But the interesting thing was, after the euphoria five weeks ago, the people at the bottom who need the help the most, that the people who are in charge of their rents were going to be allowed to put it up by as much as 10%. Oh right? As long as it had to be less than, than inflation. So I just think that Please look at this, and before you come up with any bills, 
Get some of your experts, get some of your spads to look at the downside, not just the headline by what you're doing. Look at the downside to any sort of bill, and that's 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 one. I think I've I've said it before. Well, I you know, it it was a cheap headline that has cost a lot. Um, it wasn't thought through. Um, the initial thought is, oh, a rent freeze is good. If they had brought in the industry and listened to it, so they were making policy um, to business, not with business, yeah. or even the social landlords, Willie. They should have put everybody around the table to make informed policy, and they didn't. And my God, I'm glad you're calling it out, because it shouldn't be allowed. Not at all. No, let's, let's let private enterprise get back and sort it. And to be fair, the problem with housing, especially in, in, in social and affordable, is not about increases. It's actually the cost and the number that you start at. What we have to do is put all our focus and to get the price of building houses down so we can... We know that people's cost per month isn't 52% of their income just for their household costs. We need to work to get that dramatically reduced. Okay? Yep. And Patrick, Agreed. if you want to come in and talk about it, we'll try and tell you how we can help you with that. And if the phone don't ring, you'll know it's Patrick. <laughs> and it's great to see politicians not agreeing with politicians. It's a whole new fad. Susan Aiken this week was very disappointed when the uh, announcement was made about the free ports. Yes. And she could not believe that Edinburgh was chosen over Glasgow, which which I've got to say I'm very disappointed in, right? And I, I read what a great friend of the show, Stuart Patrick, you're disappointed as well. I it's, put my, my um, shoulder behind that bid. I thought it was good for the yeah. West, Glasgow yeah. and the West. And um, it's a bit of a blow, to be honest, Willie. But it's interesting because the the leader Susan Aiken has written a letter to the UK government, and she's always she's also written a letter to the Scottish government. All oh, right, right. But what Susan has to realise is that when you see the response for the Scottish government, it is absolutely obvious that the Scottish government had a major hand in Edinburgh getting awarded the Freeport. So <laughs> I, I think that maybe that she might want to have a word quietly with her, her leader the next time she sees her. Oh, great leader. Yes, yes, indeed. One of the things this week, you know, we've touched on it, Tom, for, for the past maybe eight weeks is has been that the job losses now are coming more and more to the fore. And I think in one week now, some of the, the, the biggest companies in the world um, are laying off, it's, it's going to run any hundreds of thousands. I think we're up to 100,000 already between you know, Microsoft and Google and all, you know, there's 48,000 and 12,000 this morning. So this is it's interesting to see where this goes. Um, and I, I think that this is going to have a major impact and we believe that there's green shoots in the market and how stability in relation to inflation and to, you know, to interest rates. I think the next six months is going to be very stormy. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching this and there's been mainly the big tech companies who did a huge um, recruitment drive during the pandemic um, are beginning to say, oh, break's on again. So Amazon laying off 18,000, Microsoft 10,000, Salesforce 10,000, um, Google, I think's next, Willie. So, yeah, I think the great hiring spree for those sorts of workers are over. Um, I wonder how it's going to affect the working from home um, 
do you think that's going to affect it? I know we've spoke about it on the show before and, and my own opinion is it depends what sector you're in, whether working from home works for for your business and the employees because, you know, and it's got to be in that order in, in my opinion. Um, but I wonder if all these perks of gyms and manicures and dog walking and whatever else they were offering, Willie, do you think that's going to stop? I do, but interestingly, um, we've been debating about this for a few weeks in relation to that the unemployment numbers for us don't stack up. Yeah. You know, when you hear people, and I watched an expert on the TV this week on Bloomberg who was explaining that one of the problems is that after COVID, there is hundreds of thousands of people actually who are still listed as working but have not returned to work. Right. Right. So there's a, there's going to be a huge fallout in that. One, going back to Davos, one of the interesting things about Davos, and this is a point that you've been making and they were backing you up, is, is that anyone who is saying that, this is Europeans, are saying that Brexit has not had an effect in the oh. economic situation in the UK is off their head. Off their head. And rocker. this is like five or six experts from all across Europe saying, once the dust settles, you will see how bad an idea that Brexit was, which we both agree with. You heard it here first, yes, Lister. Yes. Now, yep. here's a job, Willie. I saw a job advert this week. I wasn't looking for a job, but this is one that maybe even me and you might apply for. Now, Netflix is a brilliant company, and Reed Hastings, the founder of Netflix, has decided he's, he's moving from CEO to chairman, yeah. and um, which I think is... Probably the right time that business is going through some interesting changes. It's got 231 million paid subscribers. Um, it spent last year $4 billion on content, and um, but it's going to start taking adverts and with a partnership with Microsoft. Um, but here's the job, Willie, that Netflix posted this week. I don't know if you saw it. They're looking for a flight attendant for one of their private jets. And the pay is up to $385,000. <laughs> Exits are here and here. Yes. three hundred eighty-five grand. I think it might be time to have a look at selling the shares in that company if they're one of their private jets and they're paying that. <coughs> My God. Well... I think that uh, I did read with interest, which I was surprised that the Netflix actually picked up 7.7 .7 million new subscribers. New subscribers. I would be interested to see what it looks like at the end of this year, right? <laughs> I will, I'll be intrigued. I would be intrigued. But no, certainly I won't be applying for that job. No. Interesting one yesterday, Tom, in the FT. Did you see that one of the largest fund managers in the world, KKR, uh -huh. actually stopped investors in the their property portfolio redeeming their money? Ah, right. Well, this is this is one of these things, Willie, where you give if you're wealthy enough, you can give your money to these titans of Wall Street and they'll invest it for you. And normally you get quite good liquidity, but if they start to get a run on it, they go no, we're gating this. You can't get your money anymore. <laughs> also, we talked about it last week. I see, Tom, this week, another two 
major crypto companies have filed for bankruptcy. Wow. Yeah, so I wonder what people are thinking out there now about their wallets with their tokens in them. I'm still waiting for Sam Backman fried <laughs> um, girlfriend's testimony. See, it was all his fault, Willie. It was all his fault. Nothing to do with me. Do you agree with the governor of the Bank of England that we've turned the corner? Inflation seems to be, you know, sorted and he didn't see any predictions for any increase in interest rates. I think, um, I mean, we talked Goes about against it. what we said last week. We, we talked about it last week. Um, it's very hard to predict, but I still think there's a 50-bit rise in interest rates. Um, but I think inflation will begin to come down. It, it, a lot depends on the energy. I mean, this week, um, poor old President Zelensky of the Ukraine has been begging for tanks and help. Yeah. I mean, my God, Willie, mm. what, a, what a dire situation for the people on in, in both sides because of some bam pot in Russia. Yeah, but what's happening, Tom, on that, which is really concerning, is... It's actually called out Germany this week because they're refusing to let them go through Germany. Yeah. Right, and there's a, they're refusing to send any tanks, so that's a that's a real worry. It looks like Europe could... I mean, you know that Macron had a wee go at this at the start where he was nearly against the rest of the G7, so I just wonder how this is going to pan out. So I just wanted to give you a wee bit of good news. I know how you like good news, Willie. Love it. So we talked last week about Edge, and of course we brought the Go Radio Business Show live from the last round of Edge. So the numbers are in and they're fantastic. So on the last round, Edge invested £1.6 million to 42 different businesses. And since we got involved with Edge, um, £22 million has been invested to help 548 different businesses and 84% of them are still trading today, Willie. Brilliant. And there's only a 6% default rate. Now, for that early stage investing, that is amazing stuff. And it's helped create 3,000 jobs in the Scottish economy. And, you know, I've got to thank the Scottish Government, Scottish Enterprise, um, the Hunter Foundation, of course, I've got to thank them, and Royal Bank of Scotland. I've also got to thank you, and Chris Vanderkeil, and Brian Souter, and Kevin Doran, for um, helping us out in this. It's something which goes right to the heart of enterprise and I really hope that the government keeps supporting us. Tom, can I say to you that as a past chairman of Scottish Enterprise Glasgow, um, doing the quick maths on that, that is a fantastic bang for your buck with investment. The best, Willie. Uh, surely, and, and to be fair, you've mentioned and you've, and you've, you know, you've applauded it for Scottish Enterprise. Surely if they look at this, this is something that should be all over you to give you more. I would have hoped so, Willie, but it's not quite working out that way. Yeah. But anyway, maybe Adrian's right. listening to the show. Maybe we should get him on and um, put him under the spotlight. And just to finish, Willie, I didn't see it because I was in my bed, but... Andy Murray, his win this week coming from two sets down. It's the longest game of tennis he's ever played. He's got a metal hip and there was one point especially, you can catch it on YouTube or whatever, Andy Murray is my hero. 
This week. This week. <laughs> <laughs> Just to finish in this segment, I don't know if people would have noticed this week, Tom, or you noticed that, do you see the, the, the lady who was in interim position at Nest, this was the government's 10-year growth plan, Louise MacDonald, has moved on. Right. right. And okay. there's been an introduction of a new gentleman called Greg Irvin, to be fair, we don't know much about. Right. Over the next few weeks, we will find more out about him and maybe we'll try and get him on the show. I hear good things, Willie, so let's see. Coming next, at Hunter and Hockey chat to Stephen Easton of Easton Group. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work-from-anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Stephen Easton of Easton Group. Stephen is the co-founder and chairman of Green Home Systems, an energy efficiency specialist that installs insulation and renewable energy systems in homes throughout Scotland. Today's guest in the show is Stephen Easton, who is the owner of a business called Green Home Systems. Stephen, welcome. Hi there. Good nice. morning, Stephen. Nice to meet you both. Good, nice good, to meet good. you. We usually start off by you telling the listeners about, about yourself and about, about your history and the business. Sure. So my name is Stephen Easton. I'm the co-founder and chairman of a business called Green Home Systems. We are an energy efficiency specialist and we install insulation and uh, renewable systems in domestic properties. So you're a business install. of the moment, Stephen? Absolutely. You must be busy. Yes, we are. Excellent. Be very busy. Um we were, we were established in 2014 uh, and we have installed over 16,500 energy efficiency measures throughout Scotland and we've lifted about 7,000 families out of fuel poverty and in doing so we've also managed to abate uh, over half a million tonnes of carbon dioxide from being emitted wow. into the atmosphere. Very so good. Our vision is... Quite simple, we want to create a, a zero carbon world and our, our mission is to eradicate fuel poverty in Scotland. Brilliant, Stephen. I'm delighted you're here because <laughs> I've been waiting for somebody to come on that I could challenge on this. <laughs> well, I was warned that I might get a few. Uh, so, could, could I maybe start asking what you think of heat pumps? <laughs> so, straight into heat pumps then, is it, guys? Come on then, Stephen. You're in the lines then oh, here. Yeah. Okay, so... I've listened to you uh, uh, over over the weeks, Willie, and, and and I'm not going to disagree with you. Oh, you know, oh, I'm not going to disagree with you. Come well, on, this comes a big disappointment. To but you. what I'm going to do is I'm going to re-educate you. Oh, so heat pumps are. I, I think from the message that I've I've kind of heard from you over the weeks is that heat pumps are not the one size fits all, the magic solution that's going to solve climate change in the UK. And I completely agree with you. The idea of just pulling a boiler out someone's house and slapping a heat pump as a replacement doesn't work. And that is nonsense. Anyone that says that's going to work um, needs to go away and have a think about it. Heat pumps are, are a different type of heating system in a house. And in order for it to work, you have to lower the energy demand of the house in the first place. 
So unfortunately, a lot of our housing stock is so old that they have a very high heat demand in the first place. So if you're just going to go and install a heat pump in a, a, as a replacement to the boiler in an existing property, it's not really going to work very well. So you've got to do a couple of things first. You've got to lower that overall heat demand. And how you do that is you have to improve the levels of insulation that are in the property. And you have to reduce them down to the point where the heat pump is efficient and it's going to work. And then you've also got to understand that you're actually installing a full system. So you'll maybe required to replace the radiators that are in the house because it's a lower temperature system. It, it requires larger surface areas. And so um, just the idea behind just slotting an air source heat pump in, replacing a boiler is not going to work. You've really got to take a quite an holistic pro approach to it. If you've got a brand new property that's been built today to building standards, to even passive house standards, and you put an air source heat pump in there, they work very well, they're very efficient, and they do the job. If you've got a house that was built 100 years ago and you just slap the heat pump in, it's not going to work. You've got to deal with the insulation first. So our kind of motto is it's fabric-first approach. You've got to deal with the insulation, make sure the heat demand of the property is as low as possible, and then at that point, you can put the heat pump in. So anyone that's looking for advice, and I get this all the time, how can I save my energy bills? Sure. I say, look at insulation first. Insulation's a but to be fair, Willie's always said that. I'm going to let Stephen finish, then I'll come in. Okay. Well, I, I, we'll stop there, and I'll see, I'll see <laughs> where you got to. Ding, ding. So let's start, let's start off with it. No, and, and Stephen, it's great that you're on and we can do this. Let's start off with the number one thing. Do you agree, not you, the government, it is disingenuous to refer to a heat pump as an alternative heat source? Do you, mean, do you mean a, a renewable heat source? A, a renewable heat source. Well, what I would say is to that is on its own, it depends where the source of electricity comes from. But what we are doing is our approach is we take a whole house approach. We don't just look at heat pump or insulation and insulation. We try and combine them all together. No, but, no, but what you're doing here is that's a really good sales technique. You no, also do insulation. No, if but, somebody phoned me tomorrow for a heat pump and asked me, and, and, and if you were being honest with uh -huh. them, you would say, if it was not a new house, well, yeah, we can come and give you a heat pump and it'll cost you 12, 15 grand. Uh -huh. But in order for it to work, you need to insulate your house. Uh -huh. So what you're doing there is you're upselling. <laughs> well, no, that, that's not... What we're doing is we're, we're doing the, the right thing because we could just go and fit a heat pump tomorrow, yes. fit the job, take the money and walk away. But yep. that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But the point I was going to make, Willie, is that if you can combine it with another... Uh, uh, renewable system like solar panels, for example, yeah. and a battery system that would yeah. store the energy created from the solar panels, that'll then help to power the air source heat pump itself. Right. So th they are, if it's done in the right way, it is a renewable heat source. But, 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 but this is really good, right? Yeah. And, I, and I agree with you. But so on its own, right, if I'm to get a system just now and I've, I've got a gas boiler system, which we all agree has to come out, right? If I change that to an electric boiler, right, it costs about one fifty the cost, right? Forget me, bum, and it will it costs at least fifty percent in annual maintenance, right? And if anything breaks down with a, a electric heating system that does the exact same thing as a gas, it does the exact same thing as a heat pump system, it's a fifty the cost. It's lower, it's lower in energy to use. Right, so forget about solar or whatever else. I, I can use that for my electric system. So I've got out of gas, I'm into electric, and I'm trying to tell the government, UK government, Scottish government, that whoever, I've been selling heat pumps for 30 years. I'd be delighted if everybody out there was telling people, let's all fit heat pumps. 
Heat pumps is not the answer. If you don't do the things that you're saying, which is quite right, if you don't insulate the house and don't do whatever, then a heat pump on its own is no good. But what made a difference to the energy bill was not the change of the gas system to the heat pump, was insulating your house. That's what brought your energy bill down. So why not just insulate your house and fit an electric boiler? So much as I'm enjoying this about heat pumps, I think we've got to hear about Stephen's exactly. business no, no. and what he's doing. But anyway... No, um, we're agreeing. We're agreeing. What we're agreeing about is, is that on its own, a heat pump is an on cost. Yes. And, it's, and where the government are not being honest with people, as Patrick Harvey stands up and says... We're going to give you six grand towards this, and Disney tell you you need to find another eight grand. Or if you go to the incident, you need to find another twenty grand of your own. What What I would say though, to maybe kind of finish off, is that it's it's not a single solution for every property because so many different construction methods and building standards that have evolved over the years. You can't just say a heat pump is, is a magic solution, but it is one of many solutions. So what I would say though, well, is you shouldn't really just you know discount it as a as a measure, but I understand where you come from. The message that it's a kind of one-size-fits-all is not great. But in the right environment, it does work. In terms of the kind of sources of funding, there are um, grants and soft loans out there from the government. And a lot of the work we do is through a, a programme where a lot of the households don't actually pay for the work. The whole thing is covered under a grant system. And that includes insulating the property first, put in the associate pump, putting the solar in as well. And we're having some absolutely brilliant results on the back of that. So I think it's about getting the right message out on heat pumps and it's about educating people so they understand fully what they are and how the best way to make them work. What happens to your business when the grants stop? Well, we have three parts to our business. We have a private able to pay market. So people that just pay for uh, energy efficiency measures um, from their own savings. We've got a new and developing uh, commercial division that are trying to help businesses deal with this. All right, OK. And then we also have um, a division that helps uh, the UK government meet their own policy agenda, which is primarily um, using a grant system to help energy efficiency. Now, the main issue, I think, when it comes down to energy efficiency is the scale of the problem. Uh, um, there's a big cost that goes along with that. And government need to help frame the cost. So at the moment, there is a grant system in place. What they also have in the moment are soft loans. And I think as this evolves, there should be more kind of soft funding. So, yeah, we can't have, you know, just grants getting thrown at people all the time. But what I would say is the grants are for the most vulnerable in society. It's for the people yeah. that are in fuel poverty. These are the ones that, need you know, the they, they help. need help. Yeah. And there needs to be a solution for them. So there's, the, the market's huge. There's plenty there. And I'm very confident that... that um, the industry and the business is, is growing and growing and, and we'll have many successful years to come. I, I'm, I'm delighted that, you know, that part of this is bringing people out of fuel poverty and obviously the yeah. insulation is, is, you can't argue with that. Um, and I think that usual, sometimes that people see ideas about government funding and it's good that your business is not totally reliant on that, yeah. right? It'll be a big, big part of it. But I think that my whole point is, is that the government should spend all of that money and you on more by absolutely getting the best bang for our buck for the per person in the house. And I'm just saying that the insulation is great, an electric boiler would do it, there's a lot less money, and at the end of the day, it's still a soft loan. You've got to repay it, so it's a debt, even though there's no interest. Mm -hmm. So I think that people like you, people like me, 
who, if you were sitting in front of the government tomorrow with your experience, now you're 16, you could say to them, that is good. That's, I'm not talking about anything. So you've got an experience now of what, what works and what doesn't work. And my whole thing here is, is that the government don't listen to people who are delivering to say, we could maybe get more for this. You could maybe get more for your book. Yeah. And insulation is the most cost-effective and cheapest way to, to save energy. Right. So, I mean, the cheapest energy is the energy you don't spend. Correct. There's waste. There's waste. So insulation yeah. is the key. And most people at home don't have enough. They, they look up in the loft and think, oh, I've got insulation up there. But you've maybe only got 100 millimetres, which is up mm -hmm. to the first rafter. Yeah. You should have three times that amount. You wow. shouldn't be able to see any of your rafters up there. A foot of insulation in your loft is the minimum you should have. And that um, and that's just in the loft space. And it's the same applies for your, your walls and, and floor. People don't have enough, so they, they need to look at it. When you install insulation, it's important that you do it in a sympathetic way and you understand the construction of the house so you don't cause any problems. And that's why you do need a specialist, a company like Green Home Systems, to come in and, and help you do that. Good and, man. And is it local authorities or LHOs or that you work with, Stephen? We work uh, primarily with uh, private homeowners right. um, and the and but the local authorities act as a little bit of a gatekeeper. So they help us identify uh, families who are in fuel poverty. Right. Um, and then they allow us to, and help us access the, the funding that they can then draw down. Um, right, so there's a bit of a partnership approach. Right, that. that's interesting. How did he, how did he, what's the, what's the, uh, the barometer where a, somebody, especially in a private household, is in fuel poverty? Uh, they've got a few uh, tests for it, but it's essentially um, down to state benefits. So mm -hmm. if you're on a qualifying state benefit, so let's say, for example, one resident and or one occupant of the household receives universal credit, then the, the house is deemed to be qualifying. There's another uh, really interesting aspect that we're working on just now, and uh, it can be quite difficult working with local authorities because they can be, you know, quite bureaucratic and slow to move in things, but the, they can unlock that and they can actually target um, their own local resident population. So they can say, for example, well, we've got a problem in a certain area and we want to try and help this area because of the and they can frame how that assessment criteria is done unfortunately a lot of local authorities are aren't fully aware of how it works so we're having to kind of educate them um, and bring them through but some of them are, are doing a good job on it just now and we're just trying to bring others through right right so Stephen have you done any uh, I'm interested have you done any um apartments have you done any flats we've done a lot of um internal wall insulation and tenement flats right. That, those those kind yeah. of projects. So have you done the reason I'm interested is have you done any heat pumps? I'm trying to find out where people put condensed uh, units. Not in, not in any flats. No, no. no the, the most of the work we're doing uh, for heat pumps tends to be in a kind of standalone property. There's been yeah. a really interesting project. It was done by a housing association in the south side of Glasgow, and they did a full innerfit project and a sandstone block, and they basically took it back to the stone, fully insulated it, made it airtight. And they put heat pumps into the flats there. I think on the upper levels they put in a different type of system. Yeah, because it, would, it wouldn't work. But really yeah. interesting kind of uh, test model of how you could tackle this issue in, in housing and in city centres. Okay. Can I get back to the business? Sure. So I noticed that you had taken on some private equity back in um, just just before the COVID hit uh -huh. us. How was that experience for you? We're just looking for tips for the listeners this morning. Maybe they are sitting thinking, should I go for private equity? Yeah, maybe you know, how was your experience with it? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I really didn't know anything about it. Um, I'm just a wee guy for sure. Um, <laughs> and I 
Um, I knew that I wanted to bring an investment partner in, but I didn't really know how to go about it. So I, I actually joined Entrepreneurial Scotland right. for that reason, because I wanted to go and meet some guys Great. who would uh, be able to you know, kind of help me. And on the back of that, I went to a few focus dinners, I got a few pointers, went out to market, and we kind of spoke to some guys in the, in the kind of corporate finance world. And then on the back of that, you know, the kind of process starts to develop. My kind of my, my kind of top tips, I think, would be you need to kind of understand what do you want. You know, you you need to uh, you know, just going for investment for the sake of it. I think oh, it's completely wrong. Yeah, it's it's not the right move. So you need to have a clear understanding of what you want. And also, I think you really need to understand what you want out an investment partner. Yeah, because some of the the private equity funds. Um, take different approaches to others, and there might come a point where that you know start to lose alignment with your own objectives. Mm -hmm. So I think you just got to kind of do your homework, be very clear about what you want, um, and you, I think you've got to get the right advisors in place as well. They're not cheap, but you know it's just one of these things. I think that's the way the kind of the corporate world works with that. Um, I found that the process was good. It, it was a good way actually just to look at our own business, you go through the due diligence process and you suddenly start seeing all the things you need to sort out yourself. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a kick up the bum when you need to sort uh, those bits out. And for people out there who think the same, Stephen, have you got any members from Circularity on your board? Yes, we do. Yeah, so we have. Have you found that? Excellent, yeah. excellent. The, the, the investment uh, uh, director um, is absolutely brilliant. And th the good thing is they can open up for us a whole bunch of different networks. Like I say, I'm just a wee guy for you. I, I don't have access into all these, you know, fancy corporate worlds, and, and they do have that. And so if you're looking for a little bit of a specialism or there, there's something the business is lacking, you can go out and you can get a consultant and they'll tell you all day long what you want to hear to get the business. But if you can maybe tap into someone else's network in a softer way, I found that really, really great. And that's why getting the right partner, I think, is important. It's important. Um, and they've got to understand that they've got a bit to do as well. You know, they kind of just turn up to meetings and read I, the papers and that's I think it. it's important when we're talking about this this week at a board meeting, whereas when the business is getting ready to take investment, one, the first question is why? and what for. And then the second thing to understand is that you do due diligence on the people giving you the money. People just think, oh, they've turned up, they, they must be all right, and they'll do due diligence on me. What I'm saying is it's a two-way process and you are vetting them as much as they are vetting you. So that's, that's an important thing for me. Yeah. I would agree with that. You're going into business with someone and, you know, you wouldn't do that with, with someone down the street if you didn't know them. So no. you, you've got to get to know the people. So what, what, Sorry, what was the point, Stephen, that you found that you, you needed that cash injection for? Well, the, we were already looking to, to kind of do two things. When we started the business, I started with my brother and what we wanted to do was to create a business of scale and value. We saw the, the opportunity there and part of that was trying to develop um, to grow the business, but also to develop an exit strategy. And this is basically a, a kind of a stepping stone along the way. So it's allowed us to realise some value from the business. But also we recognise that, you know, Peter and I are only, can only do so much. You've, you've got to, at some point, you've got to start bringing other people into the fold. You've got to develop an independent senior management team who then, who then can take the business forward for you under your kind of strategy and your supervision. 
So it's part of that kind of process, and, and that's where we're at, and, and it's, it's going really well. COVID really hurt us quite hard. We, we work in people's homes, right. so we had to stop. We had to down tools overnight. Mm -hmm. So we okay. went from, you know, growth, growth, growth to zero, um, and it, it was a prolonged period. It was about a couple of years, you know, for us to come out of it. We're out it now, and we're kind of we're back pretty much to where we were pre-COVID, right. and we've got a really strong growth trajectory now. So yeah, it's going well, and it was. Uh, I don't have any regrets with. And do you are you do you do your own sales and marketing with the individuals, or do people bring customers to use with the end user? Uh, so we do our own uh, marketing. We've act, we're starting a TV campaign on Monday. So if right. you if you're watching Coronation or whatever on STV, you'll see STV, us. STV, very good. Um, and uh, we also do a lot of marketing with social media. Um, and then we, we when we're looking, for example, we're, we're identifying properties that will need the type of works. We can look at areas in, in particular towns and we know that those are the type of houses that need new insulation, need new uh, heating systems. We'll then maybe target them through uh, so no do files and things like that. Do you do telesales? Don't do any, any outward-bound telesales. We just you know, let, let the customer come to us, really, yeah. and then on the back of that, we'll take them through the process. That's great. Right, great. And um, tell me, you, you mentioned and you get help from Entrepreneurial Scotland, which yep. is great. Yep. And has there been any other of the support mechanisms that you've tapped into in Scotland? Yes, yeah, so I uh, joined the Scale Up Scotland programme in 2019. Fantastic. We were, uh, I was in cohort two, which right. we dubbed the COVID cohort. The COVID cohort, yes. We, we, it was supposed to be an 18-month programme, and halfway through it, we had to uh, <laughs> abort to teams. Um, <laughs> but it did allow us, you know, having that longer exposure, you know, and going through a lot of difficulties, um, you know, and we all bounced off and learnt from each other. It was actually was great. And I think we, we really created a very strong bond within that group. And then we managed to come out and we, we completed the programme in the spring last year right. um, at the, the Blair Estate, and it was great. Oh, so you managed down to Blair? Yep, it was great to get Do you there. think we can save any energy there? I've just had the bill in, bloody hell. <laughs> well, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots to do. Start off the insulation. <laughs> Lots to do. I'll come round and give you a quote tomorrow. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but no, Mates rates, I hope. Scallops and brilliant. Um, what I've really found, it's got a structured programme, which is good. The, I never went to, to you know business school or anything like that, and I learnt from my dad, who was in business. Yeah. And Best place. The, there's a lot of things I just don't know, the unknown unknowns. And what Scale Up Scotland did is it, it had the, the structure in it to introduce me to different aspects of how to grow, scale your business. But then it brought us together with, with lots of like-minded people. And what I found very quickly is that everyone had the same types of problems. That's it, Stephen, yeah. And, and, and we, we just kind of bounced off each other and, and shared their own experience. And, you know, we brought different things. And on the back of that, um, also, I mean, lots of shoulders to cry on when things aren't going well. Um, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. I took a lot of learning from it and, you know, hats off to the Hunter Foundation for, for putting that together. Well, I would encourage anyone to go on. That's
great to hear, and I'll feed it back into Ken and Ewan, yep. who come up with the programme and yep. run the programme. So that's music to my ears. Thank you. What's, what's music to my ears also, to, to hear what you had to say earlier about the, the new investors, but what they brought much more than money. It was that connectivity, that was that networking. And we've been discussed it now for a few weeks. The, the, the number one focus for this programme this year will be to try and join all of these organisations so that you've got more shoulders to cry on, you've got more people that you can go and talk to. No matter what you do, sales, marketing, we've always found in our experience, it's all down to that personal interaction with other people, whether it's your peers or whether it's with your customers. Yep. That's how you grow your business. And way back to the days, you know, it's interesting, you, know, you talk about your dad, and I know your dad was part of the exchange, mm -hmm. you know, and bringing back a, a, a video where he watched Gio Benedict Denny's talk. <laughs> I think I've still got that one actually. Oh, Gio. Right? Brilliant. But I think that a lot of that, that's what I that's what I got. I'll tell you more than anything, apart from the help I got, I think I got a lot of my ambition by mixing with these people. Do you really think so, Willie? Yeah? 100%. That's I brilliant. wanted to be, so I was quite happy being this size. You know, a nice wee company, wee lifestyle, six million turbo happy. And then I'd meet and I'd read about you and somebody <laughs> else and thinking, I'm smart name, I'm going to be a bigger name. <laughs> but I think that this whole, if, if we do anything at all, uh, this year for this programme, it'll be to try and bring all these networks together and how we can connect everybody and connect the people with finance. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, we get people to come and talk to them. People might not know that, obviously, that you found out very quickly, wait a minute, we might need a wee bit of investment here. Here's where you go. And like me, you're right, when I started all that back in the day, I didn't have an idea. I didn't have a clue. I, I was doing a, I was doing a, a £6 million deal and I found out I'm... I'm employing the largest law firm in Glasgow and the largest accountancy company, you know. And back now, 20 years later, I realised I didn't need to pay them the sort of money I paid them. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a quick learner. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I think that it's great to hear that, that how you found that that's been an advantage for you. And to be fair, obviously, COVID aside, you're starting to grow the business and you're back to where you were beforehand. So yeah. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant can, story. Can you give the, the listeners a kind of feel for the size of the business now, Stephen? Yeah, sure. So uh, pre-COVID, we had about 50 staff. We took a little bit of a, a dip in that period, but we're now back to that kind of level. Right. Um, and again, pre-COVID, our kind of turnover was about 6 million. Again, took a bit of a dip there. We're now back to there. And our ambition was to get to around about 20 to 25 million. Right. And we're on track to get to that over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. Wow. Where we want to go beyond that. It's a quantum, yeah. Uh, is to continue to grow. Yeah. Good for you. How many staff do you, are you back with 50? We've got about 50 just now, yeah. but we're going through a recruitment phase. Big challenge for us at the moment is recruiting staff. You know, we, we, we're trying to bring in uh, a lot of uh, trades and skills, electricians, joiners, plasterers, yeah. um, technical staff, sales staff. And it is it's a real challenge for us is to, to attract um, and recruit that. So it is something that... Uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be difficult for us, um, but you have to. I mean, the in order for the industry to grow, there needs to be more entrance into the the green economy. Yes. Um, and what we try to do is encourage staff with apprenticeship models and just other things that would allow them to, you know, yeah. to, to to join us. Do Do you do all your own installations and servicing? For the most part, you know, there are bits of it where we have selected subcontractors but we have a very thorough vetting process. And the, the industry that we work in, as you know, there's loads of accreditation and quality control that goes into it. So before we would bring in 
a subcontractor, you know, we've got a lot, a lot of checks to do there. But in order to grow, there's that kind of chicken and egg scenario of, you know, you have to kind of get to a certain size before you can then have maybe an internal department. So we're kind of going through those growing pains at the moment. Um, and it's working, but it's difficult. Recruitment is a, a key challenge for us and, and we're, we are, we're finding it, that it, it, we're getting there slowly, but it's... Where uh, are you based, Stephen? We're down in Irvine, Irvine in, right. in Ayrshire. Originally from Dundonald, but we moved to, to Irvine to bigger premises just after COVID, actually. Right, yeah. okay. Brilliant. Well, great story. Brilliant, you know, and hopefully there might be a few people listening now who are thinking about upgrading their insulation and maybe want to uh, install new heating systems. Yes. And uh, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, we look forward to watching how you're going to grow over the next couple of years. Yep, Stephen, brilliant story. Um, another Scottish success story, so more power to your elbow. And I look forward to you doing a wee homer down at Blair Castle. <laughs> That'll be a big homer, Stephen. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Providing secure archive storage to your business. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. We're on the phone lines now and uh, our caller into the board you can't afford is Tim Yu. Tim, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm great, how are you? You're here, you're through to myself and Tom and uh, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, about, about your business and what your question is? Perfect, okay. Well, my name is Tim Dew. I run a company called Ginger Tech. We are a Scottish technology business. We build simulations that drive organisational behaviour um, or uh, organisational development and we sort of drive a whole of system thinking with our simulations and get people to understand the importance of collaboration to solve complexity within the workplace. Next week, I'm uh, off to a well-known building society in Scotland. I'm working with the C-suite there, and I was just reflecting ahead of running the simulation with them about how a C-suite self-regulates itself in terms of its skills and optimism in relation to it meeting the needs of the strategy for the business. Because it's a kind of turkeys voting for Christmas type scenario. Um, and I just wanted to get some insights from you guys about what you have experienced in terms of uh, either C-suite self-regulating or what regulatory mechanisms you put into place to make sure that, that we've got the right team at the top. <laughs> good question, good question. Yeah, it's, it's always um, a challenge when you are basically, as you say, marking yourself. Uh, I've been involved in something recently with the NHS down south where basically they were doing that. And what I've found is, is that it's important that when you're looking at your senior management team, that you're, you're always going to get a bias or unconscious bias towards individuals. And I find the only way to do that is to get trusted non-exec directors 
who will give you honest feedback on what they think. And, and I put a lot of weight on that and I've used that. Unconsciously, I've been doing that for the last three to four years and it was only when it was highlighted to me when I was asked to help another organisation with this problem that I found well, that was quite smart that we introduced this two or three years ago. And it was that sort of in a sort of mentoring capacity that these non-executives worked, or was it? Um... They done both. They done both. They 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 looked at um, not on a consultancy basis. They brought someone in that they trusted, it was non-exec, and they looked at the strengths and weaknesses of some of the senior management team, especially when it came to moving positions or or when it came to elevation. And I think that that grew. So they started off with one non-exec, um, the non-exec director. And then they moved to two, and one does quite a bit of mentoring, uh, and the other, you know, just tells them as it is and how they think that the senior management team are doing. Tim, I think it's a it's a really good question, and it's something that um, many founders um, grapple with. And um, what we coach on it is about getting your hiring strategy right from the beginning for the founder. So. For me, it starts with the founder and he or she have got to look at themselves and list their strengths and their weaknesses. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs find that quite hard. Um, so they might need some outside help, as Willie says, for that. But then once they've got an honest appraisal of that, they then need to recruit to their weakness. And hopefully these days we're recruiting into a diversity and I don't just mean gender here. What I'm talking about is a diversity of thought because if you can get that in your company, if your company's a certain size, because this is quite expensive to do, then you you will come to better decisions. And if you're an enlightened leader, you're going to have people who are, who are not just going to nod and say, oh, yes, you're not only a handsome person, but you're very powerful. And um, But... We need that honesty from the founder and the founder's got to lead the way by admitting their mistakes and being honest and then hopefully the, the team catch that good um, habit. I'd like to add to that and I'm going to be honest here. Uh, I hope none of my senior <laughs> management team are listening. <laughs> but when you're starting to grow a business, you know, it's... Um, it's fair to say that the most people that get promotion are people who you think are able, but because you like them. And it's all down to their personality, not just their skills. And as you get older and you grow, you do realise that you don't have to like somebody <laughs> to appreciate that they're really good at their job. <laughs> and I've got to say, that only came to me late in life. <laughs> but I've picked it up over the last few years. I'll Tim, I hope that, that helps. Really. I hope that helps. Tim. I'm actually choking here. So I don't know what you think about that, Tim. <laughs> I, I think it's great. No, I've re really useful thoughts and I really appreciate that because, um, uh, yeah, no, look, it's a point of self reflection for myself, but also in the advice that I give clients when they're playing our simulations. So I really appreciated um, the, the, those insights. So thank you, gentlemen. Here's one other thing I would add to that. See if you're the decision maker and you've not got any, you know, you're making all the decisions and you're not getting me to turn to and you're making us. Try and find someone who's out. So, so say it's a friend and he's got a good understanding of your business. Try and run things off of them, see what you think, explain things. Now, when you're out there, it's a lonely place, right? When you're the when you're the leader and you're making decisions. So wherever you want to go to that, that, you know, 
legal framework of NEDs and what have you, at least try and get someone who's maybe mentoring you when it comes to these sort of decisions. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think I think COVID's really tough. I mean, look, COVID's been uh, really, really tough. Mentally as well, you know, just which has kind of exaggerated that lonely loneliness thing. Yeah. Um, and entrepreneurs don't like to talk about that because you've got to be resilient. Yeah. And that's fact, COVID I summed up with one question, which is when does resilience become madness? Well, I think madness will be next week in the city boardroom when they're coming for a promotion. And if you get one in the senior management team, it means Willie doesn't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, it's been great having you on. Keep in touch with us and good luck with your pitch next week. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, gents. Cheers, Tim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk 